Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Welcome back to the film studio, which is my kitchen in the basement of our house in Ebury Street. Today we're picking up the sermon series entitled how to stand firm when the world around you is shaking. During lockdown, I was uh, recommended a film, a little documentary, it lasts about an hour long. It's a bit of a commercial, but it's on Netflix and it's called Free Solo. And it chronicles the ambition of a young man to climb up a vertical rock face in Yosemite known as El Capitan. And it's a really hairy climb. And the thing that he was setting out to do that no one had ever done before, and I don't know if anyone's ever done it since actually, was to climb unassisted with no ropes, no crampons, simply relying on the power of his legs and the grip he could get with his, his bare hands. And he makes it. But I pose a question. What would have happened had there been an earthquake while he was making the climb. How would he have, he have fared then? And that's not far-fetched because in California such things happen. And even this year, an earthquake of a magnitude of 4.5 was measured in that park. With all his preparation, everything he'd done up to that point, he'd have had to revise his plans going forward. And as we're all experiencing, however much we've looked at the ground in advance, however much We've had habits in the past that secured our footholds. The world's shaking and we need a new strategy as we follow Christ. Or if not a new strategy, at least to revise the strategy that's given to us in the scriptures of how to prevail when the earth is shaking. And to be sure, as you know, in the scripture, it's God's prerogative to shake the earth. And that's the phrase that's used many a time in the Old Testament. And it's a very vivid phrase, isn't it? It's vivid on paper, but it's uncomfortable in practice. And so together, over the next couple of weeks, this week and next week, we're going to look at some of the footholds that we can rely on that will see us through. This morning, we're going to look at three secure footholds for when the mountains tremble. And they all come from the book of Hebrews. Now many people find this letter to the Hebrews pretty impenetrable, and there's a good reason for that. It is in places. Not many of us are experts in the world of Melchizedek, the talk of tabernacles, and the order of temple sacrifice. 
that's all for another day. And who knows, another preacher. But in the author's mind, as he pens his letter to the Hebrews, is this. How do I help them? How do I resource the Hebrew believers to prevail at a time when their world is definitely shaking? And the chances of them abandoning their newfound faith in Jesus Christ is increasing. What can I furnish them with that will strengthen them and see that they prevail? I know that's only one angle to this book, but it's definitely a real angle. And he offers very good, wonderful, Holy Spirit-inspired advice. Point of fact, if you want to have a shortcut to these nuggets of advice, then you need to search in this book for the 12 lettuces. Lettuces, did I hear you say? Indeed, lettuces. This is a cheap joke, but it's an easy way to remember. Hunt for the verses that include the phrase, let us. And there are, as I say, 13 of them. And this morning, we're simply going to highlight three. And next week, I hope to highlight another three, if I don't change my mind in the meantime. The very first one is Hebrews 4, verse 11, which reads like this. Let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish. And I'm simply going to cause us to look at the first few words of that. Let us make every effort. Effort is required. Effort is required. Oh my goodness. Couldn't you have broken us in more gently? No. And nor did the writer to the Hebrews. Following Christ is going to require that we make an effort. And we need to know this from the get-go. It's not like catching a bus or a train or a plane where you buy your ticket and sit back and wait to be delivered at your destination. This journey will require that we don't just make an effort, but we make a wholehearted effort. And it's rest that the writer is focusing on and says we have to make an effort even to achieve and enjoy this. We can't even enjoy God's rest or his peace without applying ourselves to the target. Now, why does he say this? And why am I focusing on this? Just in case we were under the illusion or kidding ourselves that living out our Christian life was going to be a stroll in the park. Because when the ground starts shaking under our feet, we discover that we can't stroll anywhere. In fact, it takes a huge effort just to put one foot in front of the other. And if we're taken by surprise by this discovery, well, then maybe it's just as well that the ground is shaking because it's something we need to discover in any event. Following Christ is, as the title of one of the books on my bookshelves puts it, a long obedience in the same direction. And Jesus was very upfront, wasn't he, when talking about this, when he addressed his would-be followers. Time and again, he warns them. It's no picnic. He talks about following him will take us down the narrow road where there are few people making that journey. And it will be a contraflow system because there is a broad road you could walk down and there are many, many, many more people on it. I've often pictured it as the Christian life being like choosing to go up the down escalator. 
And I wondered if that was a bit severe. And I thought, no, actually, it needs beefing up a bit. It, the Christian life is like choosing to go up the down escalator while wearing roller skates. It takes a lot of effort. And to get through these next few months, to enjoy Christ's company in the next few months, to bear fruit for Christ in the next few months, effort is going to be required. Focus is going to be required. Now, stepping back, I sometimes wonder why we're so surprised at this. After all, we really do understand that to be successful in almost every other field requires effort and focus. Uh, we expect our top athletes, for example, not just simply to swan into first position. We expect that they train for hours. We know that they change their diet. We know that they adapt their sleeping patterns, that they endure discomfort. And they do all this because they know it's absolutely necessary if they're going to prevail. And the same can be said of pretty much every other area of life you can think about. Our medics, our doctors, our lawyers, our plumbers, even parenting, or musicians, or cooks, or even being a vicar, requires effort. Why should it be any different? when it comes to servicing our walk with God, if we want to know him better and live close to him. It's not like something we could put at the bottom of our hobbies list. What do you do? Oh, well, from time to time, I sort of do God. That's not what Jesus said. You know, if you want to follow me from time to time, you can give me your attention. Make every effort, says the writer to the Hebrews. And during COVID, on shaky ground, redouble that effort. Now, let's just notice the first two words, let us. Because we do need to see this is a group activity. This is not a solo activity. Let us. This is a game we're all in together, except it's not a game. This is something we're committing ourselves to together. The family of St. Michael's will make the effort. Isn't that what the writer is telling us? Well, let me, as your pastor as your vicar, as someone who wants to urge you and aid you and walk with you to the end. Let me actually speak a home truth here. I say with confidence this is something that St Michael's will make the effort to do. But the truth is, some will and some won't. And I'm urging you to make the effort because if you don't, you'll stumble. I can't do the walk for you you can't do the walk for me. But we can help each other. The chances are that we all know people who very regrettably have wandered off track, have ceased making the effort, little by little, little by little. But I'm warning you because the writer to the Hebrews warns, make every effort and that way you will prevail. We will prevail. That's the first let us. Here's the second one. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And I've deliberately picked and chosen which lettuces we're at this week and next week, and they're not in chronological order, because I wanted there to be a balance between what we do and what God does. And if my first point of making every effort was hugely unbalanced, which it was because it put the emphasis on what we put in. This lettuce puts a lot of emphasis 
on what God puts in. And the thing to remember, and what I'm so excited that we're going to discover together, is we will discover that God is completely faithful. That, in fact, is the walk of the believers in the Old and the New Testament. It's a faith walk. It's learning to trust. You may remember uh, how you taught your children to walk. And if you haven't got children, well, I wonder, you might possibly remember how your parents taught you to walk. But I've seen it over and over again. It always excites me, actually. You see the parents standing in front of the toddler who's yet to toddle. And the child takes a couple of hesitant steps forward and the parent holds out their arms towards the child for reassurance. And then they do this dastardly trick. The parent steps back for one pace and the child steps forward. And that's what God does with us, training us to trust him throughout our lives. And you find the more steps you take trusting in God, the more times he scoops you up and stops you from falling headlong, the more equipped you are to trust him around the next curve when you can't see the future. And what the writer to the Hebrews says, and what is a testimony of believers right down the ages, is he who promises is utterly, utterly faithful. You see, there'll never be a day, never be a day, when God says, I've changed my mind, Rupert, you're on your own now. There'll never be a day when God says to us, I've ripped up my good plans that I had for St. Michael's. All those plans that people would come to know me personally. All those plans that I would build my church. Well, I was wrong when I said I would build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, you see. So I've changed my mind, it's game over. That's not going to happen. It will never happen. God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And it's very important that we know that at rock bottom, there is a rock. Near the beginning of this COVID thing, I remember hearing a preacher say, some people say we're all in the same boat. COVID is affecting us all. And he made an acute observation. He said, that's simply not true. We're all in the same storm, but we're all in very different boats. Some people appear to be in ocean liners supremely well-equipped and serenely navigating the choppy waves. But others even begin holding on to what seems like a bit of flotsam by their fingertips and wondering if they're going to get through. And the longer this period of COVID influence goes on, even the ocean liners are rocking now. And all of us need to know, without exception, that God is totally, totally faithful. We're going to discover this. And together, together, we're going to discover it. It's one step at a time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I'll lack nothing. As the hymn puts it, all I have needed, your hand has provided. The Apostle Paul, one of the reasons that his writings have such an impact is he didn't write from a sheltered ivory tower. He wrote from the bowels of experience. He could say, I know what suffering's like. I know what it is to have much and to have little. I've experienced what it is to be rejected, to be a refugee, to be stoned. I know the pressure of trying to look after a large organisation and a small organisation, he says. 
In all these things, in all these things, God is faithful. You can trust him. He uses that phrase in one of his letters. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And we need to know that together. We need to build each other up in this. My personal list of sufferings doesn't come anywhere near Paul's, though I have known chapters of stress and what it is to suffer. But as a friend called me recently, a veteran of COVID, as someone who has been through the whole process of being put into a coma and on a ventilator, I can look at the camera and say, God was totally, totally faithful. His peace never left me. His peace never left my family. And our testimony isn't really that we put up our hands for COVID again. Of course we wouldn't, we're not nuts. But we are able to tell you God was faithful. He will be, he will be. Remember that. You don't get far in the book of Job. Then Job suffers catastrophic suffering. And his wife gives one of the worst piece of pastoral advice to be found in the scriptures or out of the scriptures. She turns to her husband and says, curse God and die. Now, friends, no, don't do that. It's not a good idea to curse God and it's not really preferable to die either. Praise God and live. And we're going to help one another do that week by week. Well, the third and final promise this morning is this. Let us stay connected. Let us stay connected. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And friends, I fear that we are discovering there is a very high cost. There's a very high cost to ignoring this advice. Can you notice as you scrutinise this verse that we're being told to do two things and we're being told not to do two things? We're being told that we are to encourage one another and spur one another on. And we're being told not to give up meeting together. The people of God have always, always met together, both in the Old and the New Testament, because that's what families do. And we are the family of God. I doubt there's any family in the world that can exist and function properly if they don't communicate together. They just become isolated units. And it's so important for us that we, as God's family, really do meet together. So I'm especially pleased that I'm announcing this morning, as you've seen if you saw the notices, that the family of St Michael's, we're going to get together in God's house. And we'll continue to do that for as long as it's permissible. But if the time should come when we're ever not allowed to do that again, we will try and hold in together using Zoom, using every means at our disposal. My personal opinion is that we might well discover that we pay an almighty price for not meeting together. We'll be like people whose diet is unbalanced. And I don't think it's yet understood quite how dangerous and damaging that will turn out to be. We need one another. It's the way the Christian life works. 
We have chapters where things go well, each of us, and we have chapters when things are especially hard. And we always reach a point where we need one another. You might have seen uh, the trooping of the colour, and you know sometimes some of the troops strain to keep standing up, and some just barely make it to the end of the parade. And if you watch really carefully, you can see sometimes that their fellow soldiers on either side hem, in, hem them in and prop them up. They're somehow able to walk almost as it were in a trance in their sleep because the people on the left and the right are literally levering them off the parade ground. Or if you want a Bible example in Mark chapter 2 when the friends of a man who was paralysed carried him to Jesus. Well, I wouldn't wish that kind of extreme upon any of us but we need to be in this together. And if we're not communicating together, if we're not in touch with each other, if we're not connected, you're really missing out on one of the primary resources that God gives us to help us to prevail when the ground is shaking. So I urge you, even if it takes a fresh start, join a house group. Maybe we should be calling them connect groups because it keeps us connected. I'm going to end with a really encouraging uh, quotation from... Bishop Cyprian, this is written in the third century, and it's what he wrote to a friend. And it highlights for me the value of keeping going together. This is what he wrote. This seems a cheerful world, Donatus, when I view it from this fair garden under the shadow of these vines. But if I climbed some great mountain and looked out over the wide plains, you know very well what I would see. Brigands on the high road, pirates on the seas, and in the amphitheatres, people murdered to please the applauding crowds, under all roofs, misery and selfishness. It is really a bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. And yet, in the middle of it, I found a quiet and holy people. They've discovered a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasures of this sinful life. They're despised and persecuted, but they care not. They've overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so faithful, you will never leave, leave us or forsake us. And our prayer today is that we would heed the warnings and advice as we read these let us statements. And our prayer to you is, Lord, we would fully surrender to you and allow you to guide us. We are committed to holding out the hope of Jesus Christ and we need your help in this. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.